It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, August 13th, 2021. I'm Kelly Reese and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. San Francisco will become the first city in the U.S. to require workers and patrons inside bars, restaurants, gyms, and theaters to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19. The Los Angeles Police Department continues to report high rates of coronavirus. The department has a much lower rate of vaccination than the general population in Los Angeles. Both stories tonight on the California Report. We'll take a brief look at news and weather before special coverage of the River Fire. Then, Felton Pruitt talks to guitarist and vocalist Bob Woods. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. San Francisco will become the first city in the U.S. to require workers and patrons inside bars, restaurants, gyms, and theaters to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Mayor London Breed announced the order yesterday. Why are we doing this? It's to protect the workers. It's to protect kids. It's to protect those who can't get vaccinated is to make sure that we don't go backwards. Many San Francisco bars and restaurants starting doing this weeks ago. And while the transition has been seamless for many businesses, that's not the case for all of them. Tim Obert is CEO of Seven Stills Brewery and Distillery. He tells the California Report that 99% of his customers have been fine with showing proof of vaccination. But it's that other 1% that has been loud and obnoxious, even harassing staff. Honestly, it just really sucks for our staff because it's like, regardless of how they feel like this isn't really a policy that they put in place but they're still at the end of the day they're the face of the business because they're the ones who are actually dealing with the customers and like there is just that one percent who's incredibly vocal and they're incredibly rude i mean it's just completely uncalled for at least one san francisco restaurant owner who spoke with the california report is concerned that the city has left enforcement up to businesses with very little in the way of guidance for implementing the new rules for customers the vaccination ordinance takes effect a week from today next friday for workers it takes effect in mid-october in los angeles the la police department continues to see an increase in employees who are testing positive for covid 19. the lapd reports an additional 52 positive cases over the past week, all but five of whom are sworn officers. And the vaccination rate for LA cops has remained stagnant for months and is far lower than the general population in Los Angeles. Here's LAPD Chief Michael Moore speaking at this week's LA Police Commission meeting. I believe that once the city again formulates its uh, vaccination requirements, that those numbers will likely increase as some that have been vaccinated have perhaps not stepped forward, even though we're encouraging them to since the start of the pandemic, 10 LAPD employees have died from COVID-19, and more than 2,800 have contracted the virus. Chief Moore says he supports vaccination or testing requirements, but unions representing other law enforcement agencies across the state have pushed back against vaccine mandates. The Dixie Fire has burned over half a million acres in Northern California, making it the second largest wildfire in state history, and the blaze is just 31% contained as of this morning. The Dixie Fire leveled some towns, but as we hear from CAP Radio Scott Rod, crews were able to save other communities in its path. The Dixie Fire burned over State Route 36, a two-lane road that leads into the town of Chester. Now entering into Plumas County, Oh, man, the fire just tore right through here. Everything below the lowest branches just 
reduced to ash and you know these big trees just just scorched nestled along the west side of lake almanor chester is similar to lake tahoe on a much smaller scale the community is a second home getaway for the wealthy and a tourism destination for outdoorsy types the blackened scenery changes on the drive into town still some pink retardant splattered around but other than that on these trees it's they're mostly green it just it doesn't look like fire even really came through here looking at a fire map the burn zone stops along a distinct curve tracing the outskirts of chester and continuing north toward the foothills some open signs hang in the windows of chester businesses but the lights are out an indication of how quickly this town evacuated but not everyone left the holiday market opens a few hours each night. I am getting coffee, some milk, and maybe a few frozen dinners. Residents, including Joe Waterman, stuck around. I'm cooking for myself since I sent my wife off, and uh, I've lost six pounds so far through this. So. <laughs> Waterman retired after a four-decade career with CAL FIRE, the State Department that responds to wildfires. He's seen his share of wildland blazes, so he stayed to assist fire crews, in spite of the evacuation order. I helped them locate uh, Dozer Line. They were having some issues trying to figure out where to put Dozer Line in. Mainly it's been just making sure there weren't any spot fires within our community that we could take care of that. The town may be saved, but the miles of blackened forest around Chester will be a challenge for this natural tourism destination. Ultimately, we'll lose some businesses. Plumas County Administrator Gabriel Heydrich. But in their loss, we may see others rise. So it may take some creativity, but I see the town of Chester uh, certainly bouncing back. And Heydrich says the town's ability to recover will depend on the entire fire-scorched region's comeback. So residents in Chester, he says, should also focus on helping more badly damaged neighboring towns. At the holiday market, store manager Emily Rice is sorting through produce, one squash, potato, and pepper at a time. She's boxing up food that the store will donate to evacuation centers, housing people from across the region. Probably $8,000 worth on the first truck. It was a ton of dairy. Um, it was our entire bread aisle and a lot of produce. Rice has lived in Chester for over 20 years. She says the Dixie Fire could be one of the hardest challenges the town has ever faced. The cleanup process, I can foresee that that's going to be a couple years. I think that people are going to be very leery to, you know, migrate back to the mountain towns when we're seeing so many fires. But Rice says she's seen her community endure and overcome a lot over the years. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rod in Chester. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Blue Shield of California, rebuilding the future of health care with every Californian in mind, from quality and equitable care to not-for-profit values. Learn more at news.blueshieldca.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And that is the California Report for Friday, August 13th. We're
production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, Brendan Willard, and Chris Hoff, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinny Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tovin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening, and have a good day and weekend. In local news today, Nevada County has 104 confirmed new cases of COVID-19. Today's previously estimated full containment of the river fire looks to be well within reason. Cal Fire reports the fire as 95% contained. The initial blaze began August 4th at the Bear River Campground in Colfax. Evacuations were quickly ordered as it steadily grew in the following days, with a final assessment of 2,619 acres and 142 structures destroyed. The KVMR news crew attended the August 7th River Fire Community Meeting and spoke with evacuees, frontline firefighters, and county employees all assisting in the mitigation efforts. Last Saturday, the Nevada County River Fire Community Meeting was held at Bear River High School. There was a large presence of county organizations from social services. My name is Rachel Roos. I'm the director of social services and then also the mass care and shelter coordinator for Nevada County. To Cal Fire. Brian Estes. I'm the unit chief for Cal Fire Nevada Yuba Placer Unit and the fire chief for the Placer County Fire Department. To district supervisors and the Office of Emergency Services. The American Red Cross was also in attendance. Uh, what, what can I say? Adam Istas, I-S-T-A-S. Uh, you can just say spokesperson, spokesperson for the American Red Cross. I was watching the fire alert via alert wildfire webcams in the afternoons. What you do as a Red Cross or this time of year in the afternoon, it's like, well, it's 3 o'clock, things are going to explode. Sure enough, boom, I was like watching this fire explode. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm going somewhere tomorrow. Rachel and several others right, from Rachel, County Social so Services congregated under a small pop-up so canopy, answering any questions and directing pretty much everyone who arrived. Is there a place to get on a computer around here? Um, yeah. The high school had been serving as an evacuation center for those who had to leave their homes due to the fire. 4,200 people in Nevada County were under evacuation order or warning. The fire people had set up um, right at the end of my road, waiting for us to all get out because that was the direct line across from where the fire initiated. So they just wanted us, please get out so we can do our job. That's Karen Williams. She's lived in Grass Valley since 1996, and despite previous close calls with wildfires, this was her first evacuation. For someone who's been living in a parking lot for several days, Karen is remarkably positive. And the other neighbors have very kindly left me their RV, so I, I had plenty of, you know, between choosing in here or out there. I, I didn't have to worry about where I would sleep for the night. I've had so much help. It's been wonderful. I've seen fires just... Two years ago, there was one just along from us on Dog Bar, and uh, that was pretty serious, but it didn't affect us evacuation-wise. But once those planes started right over my house, it was like, oh dear, this is the real McCoy. <laughs> I have to be out. But gosh, the people that have helped us have just been wonderful. You know, typically what we see in California is uh, when we initiate evacuation orders, you may see... Uh, upwards of maybe 25% of people that, that do not want to leave, and by law we can't make them leave. Um, but, you know, here specifically on this fire, the evacuation orders were really, really fast. They did a, The sheriff's offices in both counties did a great job, 
and the people were very receptive and they left early. So we, we really had uh, only a few instances where we had to deal with uh, getting people out of their homes. That's Brian Estes, the CAL FIRE unit chief. You know, our, our firefighters, their, you know, their number one priority is life, you know, and to save life. And so when, when, they, when they're engaged in that firefighting and then they have to shift gears into uh, removing or rescuing a person that had an opportunity to evacuate earlier, it can complicate the situation. But, but we anticipate it and we plan for it and prepare for it. You know, one of the problems that we always see is, is people that, that stay and evacuate late um, they can sometimes get caught on roadways. And so those cars become, you know, blockades to incoming fire equipment. That's one of the things we're concerned about. The river fire grew to 2,619 acres. In that area, 66 residential structures were destroyed. Some of the individuals who lost homes were sitting in the Bear River High School Performing Arts Theater, listening to this community meeting. At the height of evacuations, roughly 200 people hunkered down in the high school parking lot in RVs and cars, or slept inside on cots. <gasps> You're green! Oh, God! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you get to go home! I get to go home, God! Clear yeah. to repopulate. It is now safe to return to your home. Wonderful. Yay, Wonderful. So, I can go now and look at you. Because we were right in the thick of the mandatory evacuation, so that's great news to hear I can safely go home. So this has been a very interesting few days. Wonderful. And the sun's coming out. And it's going to be another Kelly Reese with KVMR News. And now for regional weather. The National Weather Service has issued a heat advisory for the Grass Valley, Nevada City, and Sacramento region, in effect from noon on Saturday to 7 p.m. on Sunday. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 69. Tomorrow, sunny and hot with a high near 98. Sunday will be sunny and hot with a high near 101. Current air quality is moderate with an AQI of 77. Tomorrow, unhealthy with a potential AQI of 161. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, widespread haze and smoke with a low around 53. Throughout the weekend, more widespread haze and smoke. Tomorrow, sunny, a high near 90, with a low around 57. Sunday, isolated showers and thunderstorms, with a high near 92. Current air quality is unhealthy for sensitive groups, with an AQI of 148. Tomorrow, unhealthy for sensitive groups, with a potential AQI of 150. The National Weather Service has issued a hazardous weather warning for thunderstorms and localized heavy rainfall, which may lead to flooding and debris flows for this area. And for those in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 67. Tomorrow, sunny and hot with a high near 104. Sunday will be sunny and hot with a high near 106. Current air quality is good with an AQI of 40. Tomorrow, moderate with a potential AQI of 88. Coming up, Felton Pruitt in conversation with Sacramento and Nevada City-based guitarist and vocalist Bob Woods. With shows being canceled due to spiking COVID-19 cases, the two discuss life as a musician as places begin to take steps at closing down once again. 
We're talking with Bob Woods, guitarist and vocalist extraordinaire, one of the longtime musicians out of the Sacramento area. But uh, also, Bob, you called Nevada City home, and you've been playing here for as long as you've been playing in Sacramento, haven't you? I remember playing up there maybe as early as like 74. Do you remember where? Yeah, it was some place in Grass Valley that's long gone. It was like a kind of like a country place. And then I started playing up there again in 76 with the Dusty Rustlers at some place in Grass Valley. And then I started playing with Paul Emery in 77 or 78. And then we were playing uh, Nevada City, Duffy's Success, and all the places back then. Well, tonight... As this interview is airing, you were supposed to be playing at the Crazy Horse uh, doing the geezer gig in Nevada City tonight, but that has been canceled, as so many other things have. Yeah, well, we got two of them in. So I got to look at it as a glass half full. At least we got a, a vacation from lockdown, and we got two great Crazy Horse gigs in. And I was... Somewhere in town, and a guy came up to me that I didn't know, and he said, um, when we walked on stage of the first Crazy Horse gig two months ago, he started crying. He <laughs> said, maybe life will return to normal. It was for two months, but now that's gone yeah. again. They canceled the geezer gig tonight because the staff of the Crazy Horse has had a lot of bouts of uh, the new Delta variant. Right. I mean, it's certainly going around. My neighbor in Sacramento, a couple elderly people in a church group vaccinated, they've got it. So you just never know. Well, pretty much a lot of things are getting canceled right now. The I know Achilles Wheel canceled their show a couple of days ago at the Nevada County Fairgrounds for the county fair. Even right. though the county fair is going on with a lot of people, I mean, the road, when I drive by, it's packed. All the parking lots are packed, but you don't see a lot of folks wearing masks. Nope. I've had a couple reports from bands playing there, and not many people are wearing masks. Well, now you have the Geezer gig, which is the Bob Woods trio. You also play with Juliet Gobert, and you play with a hundred other people at times. What's life like now? I mean, I guess it's just a roller coaster. It is. You, you got to kind of take it every day. I mean, I'm kind of lucky in that I don't have to play to pay my rent right now. I got some recordings to work on. I, I just um, mixed an Earl song that was recorded at the um, Foundry last month. You're talking about the Earls of Newtown. Yeah, Earls of Newtown. And then I, I'm working on, Juliet Gobert and I are finishing up some recordings, and I've Got a couple guitar tracks to put on that, and we're going to start releasing those pretty soon. So I got music stuff to do, even though I'm most of the things on my calendar <laughs> that I just wrote on are now starting to get crossed off. You use pen or pencil? Oh, I only have pens around here, so oh. <laughs> yeah, I I got lots of squares with a lot of scribbling across them. Well, I would have to imagine that you would have been fully booked for the rest of the year, what with um, the geezer gigs with the Bob Woods Trio, the Earls of Newtown, and your gigs with Juliet Gobert. I mean, that's pretty much a full house right there. I guess that's all on hold or iffy or who knows. 
Yeah, June and July got really booked up. August, uh, you know, a lot of things haven't actually canceled yet. So, and a lot of things, you know, we've cut kind of cut back on bookings so far out. Coming out of last year, I think, you know, made people cautious for this year. We're talking with Bob Woods, local musician. Uh, Bob, you actually have a house here in Nevada City. You also live in Sacramento. And we were just talking about how the air quality is also now the new factor in booking, too. You can't book an outdoor gig probably this weekend because we're going to have bad air quality again. Oh, I know. And the air quality, I've had a, a friend of mine has been evacuated on and off for three weeks from the Dixie fire. So my day starts off with looking at fire maps to see what's going on. And then, of course, we had the river fire, and that was fire maps for lots of people I know. And uh, so it's, it's kind of being a long summer on, on all fronts. It's almost like maybe your music careers will only happen from when it starts raining to when it stops raining. Well, Skip Allen Smith says, I'm not leaving until it rains. Talking about <laughs> staying in his house. <laughs> yeah, Skip's your drummer uh, with the Bob Woods Trio. I know that during the pandemic, during the last year, you actually did find some gigs with Juliet Gobert because you could play outside with heaters in the wintertime, and then when the weather got better, that worked pretty well for you. Yeah, and theoretically, Juliet and I will be at the the foundry on the, the August 28th outside that hasn't been canceled yet. And then, um, well, that's about as far as I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll check back with you in a couple months and see if there's any better plans on the horizon. Oh yeah. There'll be, there'll be better plans. This is, you got to, you got to keep a positive outlook and, you got to keep laughing to keep from crying. All right. Thanks for sharing some uh, stories and time with us, Bob. Thanks, Felton. All righty. That's Bob Woods here on KVMR. That's our newscast for tonight. You can listen to Felton's full interview and the extended version of our River Fire community meeting coverage on our webpage at kvmr.org or wherever you get your podcasts. KVMR gets support from The Pizza Joint, offering New York-style pizzas by the slicer pie, cheese or meatball manicotti, and more. Open daily, takeout or curbside pickup for social distancing. Commercial Street, Nevada City, thepizzajointnc.com. And First U.S. Community Credit Union, serving the gold country for over 80 years. Providing member owners with loans, savings programs, personal service, and financial solutions for individuals and businesses. In the Fowler Center, Grass Valley, firstus.org. Stick around. At 6.30, the California Report magazine brings us the first in a two-part series on the quirky and fascinating nature of car culture. I hope I'm not the only one out there who obsessively watched Pimp My Ride on MTV back in the day. Tonight's segment gives us the backstory on Mauricio Hernandez. 
Hernandez grew up in Mexico City, immigrated to Los Angeles as a teenager, and ended up working at West Coast Customs. Yes, the Pimp My Ride West Coast Customs. Transforming clunkers into one-of-a-kind cars, although his contributions often went unacknowledged. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a great weekend, and don't test your luck today. It's Friday the 13th, after all. <laughs>